following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. say, what you do has eternal consequences. If I go out to a major highway and I step out in front of a semi-truck, it will kill me. I know that. 
There are things I can do. There are things I can say. There are things I can think that will kill me just as certainly as that semi-truck hitting my body. Your actions have consequences. And because we were sold under sin, if you are not delivered and set free by Jesus Christ, your actions will cause you, even though very religious, your actions, your attitudes, your words, they will cause you to die at the judgment day. The word I'm speaking today is a word of warning to you. It is a caution. Please, it's a flashing red light. It's a stop sign. It's emergency, emergency, emergency. It means we must consider very carefully our course. And it is not possible for you in the wickedness of your heart, to make yourself right, to make yourself righteous. It's not a do-it-yourself deal. It's not self-help. It's only going to be done by the power of God. I want to show you in Scripture this awesome truth. When we come to Pastor James, James the Just, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the New Testament church in Jerusalem, he's writing in the fourth chapter, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now this next passage is what we've been focusing on Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It requires coming before God and admitting that we are going to die and we cannot help ourselves. We cannot change ourselves. This has to be a supernatural work of God that he does in our hearts. That requires humility. Now, I've been sharing with you the story of Abraham from the Old Testament. Because through these 13 chapters of 
the story of Abraham's life. Thirteen chapters out of Scripture. That's huge. Thirteen chapters to talk about how Abraham learned to submit to the Lord God of heaven. We pick up the story today in the 17th chapter of Genesis. It begins when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Now, for 13 years, God has not spoken to Abram. Why? Because he refused to submit to the Lord God of heaven, and he instead created his own Ishmael, his own donkey man. He did not believe the Lord that he would have a son through Sarai. So he went his own way. He produced his own son, Ishmael. And God stopped talking to him. Somebody said to me this last week, Well, God hasn't spoken to me. Well, maybe that's because you're busy giving birth to Ishmael's. Maybe it's because you have not yet truly humbled your heart before Almighty God. And you haven't yet recognized the seriousness of a life-and-death situation that every human being faces. And there is only one escape, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other escape. All of prison planet is doomed to die. We must find our escape through the supernatural work of God in our hearts, through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to talk specifically about how that's done today. But we find God coming to Abram. He will not write him off. God has a hard time writing off any human person. He keeps calling after us. He keeps calling after us. Calling us to submit. Calling us to repent. Calling us to do what he asks us to do. It is the heart of God to save us. Not to slay us at the judgment. It's not the heart of God to cast any man or woman, boy or girl, into the fire of hell. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to take whatever action he needs to take in order to rescue us from this prison planet. God comes, speaks to Abram. He said, I am God Almighty. Whoa, what an introduction. It terrifies Abram. God has not spoken for 13 years, and now he comes, and the word he speaks to Abram is, I am God Almighty. I am God El Shaddai. I am God who is all provision. If it doesn't come from me, it doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. And then listen to this charge. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be perfect. He says, 
I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will increase greatly your numbers. So the Lord is coming and saying, Okay, Abraham, you made your decision. You produced your Ishmael. Now stop it. Let me move. Follow me now. And and be perfect in following me. Be perfect in submitting to me. He says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Abraham. Father of many. He says, I will make you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants. I will be their God. God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, the Apostle Paul was very clear in Romans, saying the promise came before the circumcision. The circumcision was simply set up as a way to say to Abraham, you cannot do this yourself. You must let me do it. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, you must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations kings of peoples, they will all come from her. Abraham fell face down, laughed, and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. If only the works of my flesh could be blessed by you, God. If you would take what I have done and multiply that and bless that, life would be wonderful.
But God said, But your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. There is laughing at God, and there is laughter with God. Both Abraham and Sarah laughed at God. And so he gave them a son named Isaac, where God laughed with them. He said, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you, I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. To the great sorrow of the Jewish people, for they have been persecuted by Ishmael for centuries. He goes on, But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Now I love this next sentence. Abraham is finally beginning to learn to let go of his ideas and trust in the Almighty God. He is beginning to learn how to submit to the will of God. Verse 23, this is Genesis 17:23. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old. He was circumcised, and his son, Ishmael, was 13. Abraham and his son, Ishmael, were both circumcised on the same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, they were all circumcised with him. Let's be very clear. Circumcision means I am cutting off from you all of your false ability to accomplish anything for eternity. It is by the hand of God. It is not by human strength. It is not by human ability. We are not going to be utter, able to utter the proper words. We're not going to be able to do the things we're supposed to do. We certainly are not going to be able to think the thoughts that God would have us think until we are circumcised and have utterly given up all of the human heart and have chosen to trust in the Almighty God. I want to share a passage in the New Testament with you that talks about this circumcision. It's found in Colossians, the second chapter. Colossians, the second chapter. And I'll begin reading in verse 11. In him, that is, in Christ, you were also circumcised 
in putting off the sinful nature. Now, I'm reading from the NIV. I'm not reading from some strange Bible translation. This is the New International Version. It is speaking to the church at Colossae, and it is saying, you were circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Now, most Christians that I speak with today believe that they're going to have to live with their sinful nature until they die. Theologians have argued bitterly over this issue, but now it seems to be a settled truth that you can never have your old nature cut out from you and removed from you. But Paul said, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. He didn't just forgive us for our past sins. That's why the word justified is so vital to understand. We've been lied to about the meaning of the word to justify. We've been told that it means to declare righteous. But if we go into the book of Hebrews, see if I can find it for you quickly. In the book of Hebrews, it's very clear that the blood of bulls and the blood of goats cannot remove our sin. It's impossible. See if I can quickly find this for you. If you look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, we find something very interesting. Chapter 9, verse 11, When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. So we find in Hebrews, 
that the glorious truth of God is that the blood of bulls and goats cannot remove sin. Impossible. But the blood of Jesus Christ totally removes sin. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. I'll begin with reading with verse 26. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times. Christ would have had to have suffered many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus died on Calvary to do away with sin. So, verse 28, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away, that is, literally in the Greek, to lift off of, to remove the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, that is, not to separate us from our sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Then I want to read for you chapter 10, verse 3. Speaking of the animal sacrifices, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, my question for you, and I urge you to read the entire 10th chapter of Hebrews. My question for you, is the blood of Jesus in God's eyes the same as the blood of bulls and goats. In other words, the blood of bulls and goats allowed God to declare in the Old Testament people as righteous. God declared them to be righteous, but their sins were not washed away and they were not forgiven until Jesus died on Calvary. Now, my question to you, is Jesus' blood the same before God as the blood of bulls and goats? Does the blood of Jesus have the power to remove your sin, not just forgive it, but to justify you? We use the word justify in reference to the old covenant as declared righteous. But in the new covenant, the word justify means to make righteous. The word justify doesn't appear in Scripture. It's it's from the old English, and it meant to make righteous. Dikasune is the Greek word. And it is to make righteous in the new covenant. So now, again, I ask you this question. Do you understand? Abraham is declared righteous. 
he is given a covenant. And in that covenant is circumcision, meaning totally cutting off the foreskin of the penis of the man to indicate that the man has no ability to create life, to give birth to children without God. And so when we come to the new covenant in Colossians 2.11, Colossians 2.11, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Now my question to you, has the sinful nature of your heart been put off? Have you been circumcised by Jesus? Have you been circumcised by Jesus Christ? Is the old nature cut out of you? Or are you constantly warring in your spirit? It says, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. If your sinful nature was put off, you're no longer walking in sin. Now, please, I didn't write this. This is not Ray theology. This is what Paul wrote. Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men. In other words, you're not circumcising yourself. You can't make yourself right with God. Only God can make you right. And he does that by circumcising your heart and cutting out from you the old sinful nature. Verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Has he made you alive yet? Or are you still dead in the uncircumcision of your heart? Have you been made alive with Christ? Have you submitted to the circumcising work of the Holy Spirit in your heart that has removed from you the misdeeds of the body? Romans, the 8th chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do you put to death the misdeeds of the body? You let Jesus Christ, through the power of his blood, circumcise you and cut out from you, remove from you, all wickedness, all unrighteousness. If we look further in the book of Romans, I'm going to take you now to the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. 
We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can you continue to live in your sin and say, I am a Christian? That old sinful nature has to die, and it can only die by being cut out by the Holy Spirit as Jesus circumcises your heart. He literally has to cut it out of you. Paul continues, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into the death in the order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then look with me at verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because You are not under law, but under grace. Now let's try to put it together. As Abraham came before God, God said, walk before me and be perfect. As God comes to you, he says, be therefore perfect, even as the Father in heaven is perfect. The call is to be washed clean. Now, I've heard all the arguments for why that's impossible. But I know what the scriptures say. That through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, many will be made righteous. And my question to you is, have you been made righteous? Or are you still playing excuses and saying, Pastor, we're human. Nobody can be perfect. You're right. Nobody can be saved. Everybody is hellbound. Except those men and women, boys and girls, who will totally submit their lives to Jesus Christ and turn aside from the way of the world, those are the people who will go through. Not religious people. There are no good people. There are holy people. 
people who have been set aside for the purpose of Jesus Christ. And he rules and reigns in their hearts and their lives. No. Some of you say, I'm a Christian, but you treat your family, you treat your wife, or you treat your husband horribly. You cut them off, you judge them, you're nasty. What's the answer? Well, it's not a a marriage counseling. It's not a strategy for success. It's dying to that old sinful nature and letting Jesus, begging Jesus, cut that thing out of my life and out of my heart. Jesus, I can't live with that anymore. I need you to come and cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me for my sin. I submit to you, Jesus. Listen to James. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Are you a friend of the world? Do you think the thoughts of the world? Do you go to the things of the world? Do you treat people with contempt, harshness? Very interesting to me. Read it Sunday in our worship service. Maybe I should turn to it quickly and read it to you. It might be profitable for us right now. 1 Corinthians. 13th chapter, there is a very interesting description. You've read it many times, but let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of of men and of angels, but have not only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, and that love, that love is the Greek word Agapo, which means action, compassion, a giving of myself for that person. If I'm unwilling to give myself for another person, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not this agapo love, this compassion, this reaching out to husband, to wife, to children, making a difference. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not agapo, I gain nothing. Now listen to the description of this incredible self-giving love, this compassion, this sacrificial love. Listen. Love is patient, is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, wait a minute, what did that just say? 
It keeps no record of wrongs. Have you ever spoken with someone and they have a whole list of things that they're angry at you about because they think you did something wrong? It doesn't matter whether you did it wrong or not. It only matters whether they think and judge you as having done it wrong. The scripture says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Keeps no record of wrongs. Does not hold grudges. Gives. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What doesn't fail? That self-sacrificing compassion that's always moving into action and saying, how can I help you? Have you ever noticed that some people seem to think that everybody should serve them? That everybody should take care of them? That everybody should treat them as though they were above everybody else. When I have people like that in my life, it checks me very carefully to see whether or not I'm circumcised by Jesus. It causes me to, to weep before God if I find that my heart rises up in anger or bitterness. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Has your son wronged you? Has your daughter wronged you? The scriptures say, don't keep a record of that wrong, but let it go. Give them. That requires a circumcision done by the Holy Spirit in a man or woman's heart. Only God can change a person so that they don't keep a grudge. Only God can change a person so that their heart is open and giving in spite of how they're treated. This is way beyond any notion of sentimental love. This is the agapo of God. This is the the self-sacrificing love of God that comes into a man or woman's heart when they are circumcised by the Holy Spirit. Again, my question. Are you a man or a woman of this world? Be a very religious man or woman of this world. Have you laid everything down for Jesus? Have you been emptied out? Let me look up something very quickly. I want to I want to read this for you. Some of you will be receiving thank you notes for all that you have given in the last 30 days. And I have to tell you I'm so grateful for those of you who've been giving. It's meant everything to me. A friend, 
text me this. And when he texted me this, I said, oh, I need to include that in the letter that I write. And I need to ask people if they will pray this prayer with me. It was written by Smith Wigglesworth. It says, You may be holding on to some things. Pray to God that he empty your life of anything. Ways, thoughts, habits, feelings, people that are not his will. So that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may be holding on to some things. Pray to God that he empty your life. I prayed it earnestly. Empty me out, O God. Remove all things, people, relationships, thoughts, habits, actions, anything that is not your will. I forsake it all. I wrote to many of you this week and I said, pray that together with me. Ask God to empty us out. Ask God to circumcise us totally, completely. Remove that old sinful nature entirely from our hearts. Don't believe the lie that you're going to live in that sin the rest of your life and that when you die, God is going to rescue you. Never in the entire New Testament is hagios, to be made holy, to be sanctified. Never is that spoken of in the future tense. It's either done here while we're present, or it won't be done, and we'll miss heaven. I open this broadcast today by saying, what you say, what you do, it matters. What you think, the lust of your heart, it all matters. It will keep you out of the kingdom of God. Now, I know that doesn't match the modern teachings. One place we were renting became so enraged by that teaching that they immediately kicked us out of their church and said, you cannot rent here. You believe a heresy. Well, the heresy, I believe, is what is taught by the Apostle Paul in Colossians. And again, if you just tuned into the broadcast, found in uh, Colossians 2.11 that the circumcising work of God must be done in our hearts to remove the old nature, the sinful nature, the wicked nature, and we must be made whole and new. And your last day on earth and your first day in heaven, you will be the same person. You won't be a different person when you arrive there. All you take is your character. So in this story of Abraham, God comes and he says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be 
Is that your current situation with Almighty God? Or are you filled with enmity against God? Are you cynical and angry? Are you bitter that things haven't gone your way? Are you angry at your son or daughter, your husband or your wife? Are you contemptuous of them? Do you put them down? You have a list of things you're angry about. The Lord God of heaven is saying, Agapo love. 1 Corinthians 13 keeps no record of wrongs. So today I have to come back and ask you the question I really started with much earlier. Are you laughing at God? Are you laughing right now and saying, it's impossible for God to wash and cleanse and cut that evil nature out of me? It's impossible, Pastor. I can't walk clean before God. Are you laughing at God and saying, look, I can't do it. It's impossible. Then I would say to you, all you're producing in your life are Ishmael's, donkey situations. Nothing that will count for eternity. But if you will let the Lord God of heaven, nay, if you will beg the Lord God of heaven to come and circumcise your heart, you will stop laughing at God. And God will give you much to laugh about. I would rather laugh with God than at God. Some of you have just been laughing at God. You've not believed his word. You've not been willing to allow him to step in and cut out that old sinful nature from your heart. You would rather battle with it yourself. You would rather struggle with it. Look, I'm old enough now. I know the utter futility of struggling against the wicked nature. And I praise God he has come to me and he has cut that evil nature out of my heart. Does that mean I don't make mistakes? Oh, I make mistakes. I'm not mature yet in Christ. I won't be for the next million years. But by his grace, he's cut that old nature out of me. So that now I rejoice in him. I praise and honor his glorious name. I love him. I am utterly given over to Jesus. I have no goals except those which have been given to me by Jesus. I have no ambition except that which has been told me by the Holy Spirit. I have no hope of ever being something in my flesh. That was all cut out of me. I'm now going to walk before God and I'm not going to be in rebellion against him. I'm not going to laugh at him because I want to laugh with him at the glorious miracles he does for me, at what he provides, at what he opens the door for. Oh, I'm waiting for the miracle of FM radio. I'm waiting for the miracle of revival in Washington, D.C. I'm waiting on God. 
God is the producer. The human heart is not the producer. God is the producer. I praise God today for Jesus Christ, my Lord. We're out of time. Broadcast. In the last week of the month of March, I need your help to cover the radio bill. We're still at least $3,000 short. Would you help? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. It's a National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I also am struggling a bit with our PayPal account. I'm not certain that it's working properly. I would love to have some of you test it. You can do that by going on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and click on the Donate button. Follow the directions. If it doesn't work, would you please call me and tell me that it's not working? I tried to give a, a donation online, and it didn't go through. Another brother did, and it did go through. So I'm not certain what's happening. I haven't heard from any of you online this week. If you have the opportunity, would you just check it out? NationalPrayerChapel.com I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of National Prayer Chapel. We'd love to have you come and worship with us. But we're out of time for today. We'll come back to Abraham tomorrow. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. 